This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Ice is an ingredient. If a recipe calls for cracked or crushed ice, it's because they want some shards of the ice in the cocktail to melt and dilute. It's usually like a high ABV cocktail. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. If you guys would like to support Didn't I Just Feed You, you can subscribe to our bonus episode feed on Apple Podcasts. Or... You can join our super fan community by visiting didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And you guys, we say it every week, but it's worth repeating. If financial support of the podcast isn't in your budget right now, that is cool. We don't mind. We totally get it. But we still want your support. (laughs) And one quick, easy, totally free way to do that is to share your favorite episode with a friend and or leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. And... Not Andor. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm not Andor. I got it. Yes. Low pressure. Low pressure. Slow today. And maybe it's because we're thirsty. Maybe. Uh, I swear (laughs) I haven't been drinking. (laughs) Not yet. We are going to be talking through refreshing your home bar or building a home bar from scratch. We both love to dabble in cocktail making and having drinks at home is a great way to save money, have fun, and can be a wonderful part of hosting family and friends. So I have to say something without, I have to think about how to be delicate here and respect my family's privacy. So it's interesting being interested in mixology and then also upstate, I'm kind of building a bar from scratch Yeah, and having a teenager. (laughs) I ran into someone with this though. Yeah. I ran into someone recently who told me that she also has a house upstate and she leaves her 16 year old and the middle one who I think might be 14. And sometimes she and her husband and their youngest go upstate and they've only done this like once or twice. They've just started experimenting with this, leave the older ones. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not doing that anytime soon. And she said that she marked her bottles. Oh my God. (laughs) You're gonna she come, like, she's oh going to come God. back to a bunch of water-filled bottles. <laughs> well, you want to know the real story? <laughs> the real story is she came back, she checked the bottles, and it was all, like, fine. Nothing was missing. And, like, she sniffed because we all know the water trick. Come yes. on now. Yes, yes, yes. But her husband was like, yeah, that's because they all vape now. They all smoke pot. <laughs> like, what? They're not interested in your bourbon. <laughs> I was 
it. I can't think about it. Oh, which is hence why I will not leave my children home alone. But it is interesting to think about. And not just because I think my kids are going to my not my kids. I can't even Oliver. This is not even a thought at 13. But it's not that I think Isaac's going to sneak a drink. It's that I really or at least that's just not a worry for me personally given our like family culture and how we talk and where he is and who he is. But I'm much more thinking about what I'm modeling. Mm, and I know see, I've been modeling it all the way. So why now? But like before it was like, that's a grown up thing. And I don't know. I guess like I assumed there was some sort of firewall. But now I'm like, when he sees me pouring a drink, is he like, curious or wanting to take a sip or noted yes noted that's exactly what I think about and then I'm like oh I need to be very aware yes okay this is really interesting for so many reasons have I ever told the story of during quarantine during the pandemic we were drinking a lot of tea like actually a lot of tea but we were also doing some more like home cocktail stuff and sometimes ordering cocktails from our local restaurants and one night ella got really upset with us when we were like oh it's tea time and we turned on the electric kettle to make tea and she was like i don't want you guys getting drunk again <laughs> are you kidding but what's funny is she literally thought the tea was like an alcohol. We were making like alcoholic drinks every afternoon when we were having tea, like that she thought we that were drinking so funny that much. And for what it's worth, I we I've never been drunk in front of the kids. So like them having that context or that idea is like really interesting. You've never been drunk in front of your kids? I don't not that I think that they would be aware. Oh, well, that's different. But have you been drunk in front of your kids? Maybe. Yeah, probably. I mean, because I don't really I'm going to be completely honest here. We talk so much about booze because I really like booze and I really enjoy a good cocktail. It's really an extension of my interest in culinary arts. Food. Yeah. Right. But like and hosting, because I think of that as being part and parcel. I don't get drunk. Yeah, I don't get drunk. I get buzzed. Yeah. But I will tell you that. Like, my kids have definitely can tell. I'm also never getting so buzzed that I'm not, that I can't consciously and intentionally calibrate my behavior in front of my kids. Yeah. But there are certain people who, when I hang out with them, I think my kids can figure it out by context. Mm. Like, we have a couple of friends who are bigger drinkers than us, and my kids are very aware and, like, you know, like family hangs or summertime up in the country by the pool. They're like, oh, if that other couple is drunk, probably mom and dad are. And I think that they're looking more closely. And even though I think I'm calibrating myself, I wonder if they're like, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like that's the only comment Ella has ever made. But it is something where now that we have a built-in bar in our like living room, dining room, kitchen area Mm -hmm. of our house for a while, things were out on the bar. And then we just decided that like in the vein of trying to have better modeling for our kids too, we put the cocktail bottles in the built-in cabinet of the bar instead of like having them out on the shelf. So you're like only seeing one bottle of 
alcohol at a time, like when we're intentionally making drinks instead of it just like being advertised and on display all the time, which I think for our kids at the age that they are has been like a a good and healthy thing for us to do. Can we unpack that a little bit? I'm really curious about this. Okay. I want to know, like, why does that feel healthier to you? And I'm not asking in a challenging way. Like, I'm actually really curious because I never thought about this. But to me, I feel like I could make an argument in both directions because also like having it out and displayed in the context of my family and the fact that they know that I'm interested in mixology and cooking and all of that. It's like just another ingredient and we're not hiding it. And it's not something that there are all these like hangups around. Yeah. But I don't know. I have no idea. Right. And like we, both you and I would fully admit that we have our own hangups around alcohol. My mom has... 33 years clean and sober. My dad is an alcoholic. My brother was an alcoholic and passed away related to it. Yeah. So I actually don't have a good model for what's healthy, which means that a lot of times we're navigating it for the first time. Yes. That's such a good way of putting it. I also want to say I, at least the Brooklyn house, I'm aware of like you have a little bar like display area that's kind of like in your dining room. And then there's a kitchen cabinet where like wine and liquor and stuff is stored which feel somehow feels different for us rather that like if it was in our kitchen that would make sense it's like tying the food and drink and the entertaining together yes. but where our bar is is like fully removed from the kitchen it's actually like directly across this great room and puts the alcohol like in the center Got of it. our family room interesting okay and that feels different to me i never like sneaking alcohol. Like if we're having holiday cocktails or whatever, I'm trying to say like Christmas morning, we're having Kahlua in our coffee. Yeah. We're not like sneaking around doing that. Yeah. And same thing with the alcohol. But I did feel like moving into this new space for a while, we just like had it on display. But then I was like, oh, every time I'm doing dishes, I'm staring at all the alcohol bottles for better or for worse. I don't know what the psychology of that like is. When our friends are over, when their kids are over, it's literally like in the middle of this space, which sometimes feels nice. And sometimes, I don't know, like makes it too like centering. If you're like a feng shui person, like that's the energy in the room, I think, in some ways. When it's like actually a huge room where there's like a TV area and there's like our piano and guitars and like the giant ping pong table. There's so much else, but it is weird how like always I felt like my eyes were centering on it. And I wondered if that was the same. Interesting. Yes. For my kids. So it's not necessarily like that, that interaction with Ella where she was like, you're having tea time, (laughs) getting drunk every day. And we're like, we're literally just drinking hot tea. Like there's no alcohol involved. And we're maybe having cocktails on a week, like twice a week on a weekly basis. Or like there wasn't any sort of incident that we were like, oh, we should do this. It was just this thing where I was like, I'm kind of tired of seeing the bottles out. We have built-in cabinets to store them and something about the psychology of that felt. Yeah, it's really interesting because as you're talking, I'm like, is it like, quote unquote, junk food where it's like, let's not judge it. It's there. Like it's in the cabinets. It's But alcohol is different. Yeah. Than junk food. Right. Junk food always said in quotes, guys. It's just like a shorthand that our culture uses for talking about highly processed snacks that like 
some parents, not all, feel like should be like limited or, you know, managed. And we advocate to not do that (laughs) because as people who grew up in homes where that was the case, it actually just pushed us in the other direction (laughs) and felt restrictive. Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know. And the alcohol thing for us is really interesting too because Mike is a bigger drinker than I am, but drinks almost exclusively wine. Mm-hmm. Like at a restaurant, he might start like a steak dinner with a martini or every once in a while he'll have a cocktail, but it's really not his thing or like he'll end the night with like, you know, scotch on the rocks. But like he likes wine. I prefer cocktails, but then I don't really drink a lot. So right. that's the other thing is that there is this imbalance between me wanting. It reminds me of. We recently had Heather Stahl around and we asked her what brings her joy in the kitchen. And she was like, you know, it's such a privilege for me, but like a really obscenely well-stocked pantry because every night I just am winging it. That's what I like to do when it comes to cooking. And if I want to cook a certain cut of pasta, like that night, I want to go into my pantry and have it. So I just have everything. That's kind of how I feel about my bar. Like I barely freaking drink, but I'm like, oh, I read a recipe or I'm like, oh, I want this fancy cocktail and I want to be able to go and make it. It's the maximalist in me, right? So then like, what? I don't have green chartreuse? It's insane. (laughs) Which is like kind of a little bit obscure. I want to mention a couple of things. One is I feel you on the like, I don't drink a cocktail every night, but then when I want a cocktail, like I want it to be special and feel kind of fancy. Brian is a beer drinker, but then he has these sort of like seasonal jags, I would call them Mm. like right when the weather gets springy and summery, he wants to drink gin and tonics. (laughs) (laughs) But what will happen is I will do these like semi-annual like we'll go to the liquor store and Mm -hmm. spend like three to five hundred dollars to like fully stock the bar yeah baby yes you do not have to spend that much yes but we just like end up buying multiples of certain things and then sometimes what happens is i'll be like ooh, you know what i want tonight is a negroni yeah there's no freaking gin 100 because brian has drank the bottle of gin and like not replaced it so that's a little bit of a complaint and i think that's like a funny thing that occurs more often than not where we're like we're gonna give advice about how to stock your bar but like also sometimes you my bar is your not bar very stocked. well stocked <laughs> so i'm actually i think you can speak to keeping it stocked if you have ideas yes. i'm more thinking about kind of starting a bar because okay. upstate we're I can't say that we're starting from scratch because I've purchased things here or there. We've spent two holiday seasons there. So there's like some stuff, but I never just went and was like, okay, like where's the space? What are the tools? Mike got me a bunch of tools over Christmas this year because he knew I was interested in it. Yeah, you mentioned it in the gift guides too. Yes. I was like, oh, Stacy's gonna really get into cocktails. So I have now. all the freaking tools and I never really went and bought the liquors because over the holiday season, there's like one drink that I like to drink, and I had all the ingredients for that. And then I haven't really had a chance to go up state regularly since the holiday season. I was there recently one weekend. 
And I was looking at a cocktail book and I was like, that sounds good. Ah, oh, crap. I don't have gin. That sounds good. Oh, crap. I don't have, I don't know. Green chartreuse is obviously on my mind. But like, I know, which is so funny. What drink is that even going? I don't know. I feel like it's like an <laughs> ingredient that people are using more lately. I've completely okay. made that up. But anyway, so I want to talk about, even if you're not starting from scratch, scratch, I know like not a whole bunch of people listening to us are moving into a new house. Or if they are, they're probably taking their bar with them. But like how to think about like setting up or resetting up. So I think one thing that's interesting is you move. A lot of people like to put their booze on display. Mm -hmm. And that is really beautiful, especially if you have a built-in bar or a bar cart. I love the way that looks. But. Put it in a darker place. Keep your booze out of direct light. And actually, a lot of experts will say to put your booze in a dark cabinet. That's how you keep it. See, that's what I wasn't a weird psychology thing no. modeling to my kids. No. I just wanted my booze. Also, maybe there's like a weird psychology of Brian. Like maybe if I hide all the booze, he won't drink my gin and I can have no But like once a bottle's open, oxidation will set in. And that impacts flavor of more like delicate spirits. Less so with high proof, like high proof is so high alcohol, like it can last through the apocalypse. (laughs) But also think about when if you're like me and you don't drink a ton and you get a bottle that's nearly drained, right? It's towards the end. All of that oxygen in there can cause oxidation. So like you're near the end of your bottle but you drink regularly and, you know, within a week or two, you're going to finish it fine. But if it's going to sit like that for two months, which totally happens to me, then the favor is probably impacted. I hate to, you know, I hate wasting food, but in this case, like if you want to be tip top and really proper about it, I would dump a little bit of alcohol and start fresh. Yeah. Or could you, I'm just throwing fully forming this idea right now. Like if it's an, if it's part of a cocktail that you like to drink regularly, could you like make a batch or a base of that cocktail and put it like in a mason jar with lots of headroom and like freeze it? So you have like a future lemon drop or a future Negroni or whatever waiting instead of just letting it linger. Yeah. I don't know. Not every booze freezes. Right. So like from a flavor nuance. Yeah. And if you have like simple syrup or you have juice, like juice freezes, but vodka doesn't freeze. I don't know. I think that'd be an interesting experiment. I don't know enough about the chemistry of it. I think that could work. I think it might be iffy. Okay. But I don't know. Try it. I'm going to try it. Do it. I also feel like this happens to me a lot with vermouth in the way that we don't drink it quite as fast as we should. And so we tend to buy smaller bottles, even if they're of lesser quality, because the other thing is that once they're open, they should be refrigerated, especially if you're not going to move through them very quickly. And like, I've definitely had, this is so weird to admit, I've definitely had vermouth go moldy because we've like left it for so long. I go through vermouth. That's the one thing I drink a lot of. 
because I do equal parts sweet dry vermouth. It's called the Billis. <laughs> yep. And it's a low ABV, perfect before dinner. It's a great while you're cooking cocktail. It's like my go-to at home because I like low ABV cocktails. So, oh, and low ABV, alcohol by volume, just so we're like making sure everybody's in the know what we're talking about. It's just every spirit has an ABV percentage and vermouth is fortified wine. It has a low ABV. The lower the ABV, the less alcohol in the liquid, the more you can drink before getting drunk, basically. Okay. So let's just start with spirits. Spirits. So here's what I would say if you're setting up, like this is going to be my checklist. The next time I go upstate and I'm like, let me do this, whether I order from delivery or I go to my local store and get a box. I think I'm going to count. Okay. I think you start with whiskey and I think there's two ways to go. I would recommend, and a lot of experts agree, starting with a bourbon whiskey. So a bourbon is going to allow you to make Manhattan's, Old Fashions, whiskey sours. I think scotch whiskey is a secondary. So I would say that's when you're like, after we get the rest of the list going, if you want to invest in more, I would grab a scotch whiskey and a cognac. Okay. So cognac is good for things like sidecars, punches, good smashes. I love cognac. I buy a bottle of cognac, a small one every holiday season because I put a little cognac in my mold wine. Mm. So, but again, I think that scotch whiskey is number one secondary and cognac is number two secondary. If you're going to buy one whiskey product, I say go for bourbon. Okay. Okay. So you're not saying you're saying whiskey bourbon is a category and maybe you're buying those two in that yeah, category. Yeah, whiskey is the category. Bourbon is the number one. That's what I think you need to have. So I'm going to only count that for now. But then I will, I'm given a nod to scotch whiskey and then cognac. Okay, interesting. I I want to come back to scotch at some point. Okay, so, wi- so whiskey. with bourbon, whiskey, I'm saying bourbon. Yes. Tequila. Yes. I'm going to say it, this depends. But if you're making mixed cocktails, just like a Blanco, like a good drinkable Blanco. And then we're going to talk about this in general that, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive if you're a cocktail person. You're not going to make, you know, margaritas with an expensive aged tequila. Yes. Just like whiskey, bourbon, scotch, there are tequilas that are specifically distilled with the idea that you're going to sip on them and yes. not mix them in cocktails and they're more expensive as they should be. And so buying them and then putting them in a margarita is kind of rude. Right. Totally <laughs> rude. If you like tequila, but you don't want to make cocktails with it, you want a sipping tequila, you can get an aged and an a fancy. I personally like going fancy, but sticking with Blanco. Okay. Same. And like met, I can agree with that. I do like aged tequila. You do. I do. And then I also think like people are really interested in mezcal still and yeah. like the smokiness of it. But I, I also feel like that is a little bit more specific because it can be aged and because it tends to have like that smoky flavor. And again, you can make a mezcal margarita, but like if you're trying to make an all purpose bar, 
that's maybe not where you want to spend money to start. Totally. Okay. Gin. Yes. Simple. Is it simple? It's actually not a simple spirit at all. It's really complex. Yes. But like, it's not like whiskey where there's like, you could go with a bourbon whiskey, you could go with a scotch whiskey or tequila. There's anejo, there's blanco, there's different levels of like gin is gin as far as I understand. I recently had brown gin, <gasps> which you drink like a whiskey. I think it's the aging and like distilling process. It was very good. We, we had it over ice with like a big squeeze of citrus. But yes, gin. But I think do, this we gets into specialty. Any, yes, I think we could take any of these spirits and do a whole episode about them. I agree. Okay, so but a simple gin, mixable gin. Okay. Rum. Agree. So rum, I like white rum, daiquiris, mojitos. There are also dark rums. I don't think you need them. I don't really do dark rum so much. But if you like like tiki cocktails, then dark rum is going to be really good. Yes. Spiced rum. No, no. Rum is one where I could be like, "Mm, maybe you do want a light and a dark because we do like dark and stormies and you do open up the tiki world a little bit more if you have both. But again, trying to keep it simple. I'll agree. Okay. A light rum is the way to go. Okay. Now I have a very controversial opinion. Obviously, vodka, right? But is it obvious? I don't think it's obvious. I think that vodka is really the last on the list. Vodka is literally distilled to taste like nothing. Like the higher quality the vodka, (laughs) the cleaner it is, the less, like it has, it's smooth, it's clean. It's meant to be kind of a backdrop liquor. I think that vodka is a good thing to just have in your freezer for when you have someone over who wants vodka. Vodka is not something that I'm mixing up into a whole lot of drinks. And if you start to really delve into like cocktail books, vodka really isn't used nearly as much as whiskey, tequila, gin, rum. Yeah, this is so interesting. I understand that argument. Like bartenders even make fun of vodka. I think it's a whole thing within the cocktail industry for and this is where there like gets to be nuance to this guidance. Right. For me, I think of vodka as like a really great it's like the all purpose flower of your bar. Am I using it always to make cocktails? No, actually, it's very helpful in some pastry things and in cleaning your house, which doesn't make a very good argument for it being on your bar. (laughs) But like. I do think you, I am going to be like, I think you should have a bottle of vodka and it can be a very inexpensive, like a middle of the road vodka should not be flavored, but I do think it deserves a spot on your bar. Okay. I think that's a total of variable. So that's, I think that's the basics, right? So what did we say here? We said a whiskey, a tequila, a gin. A rum, you said maybe a dark rum too. That would bring you to five. Vodka, we're adding because you want to add mm-hmm. it. That's six. And then if you yeah. wanted to add, add scotch whiskey, we'd be at seven. Okay. I could, I would, I would advocate, and this is where there's the nuance, right? Like, I think you should shop for your bar based on what you know you like to drink to Absolutely. start, even if you think you're going to get into other cocktails. I could leave a dark rum 
in favor of having a scotch whiskey because it's nice for finishing a lot of drinks. It's nice to sip on its own more so than the dark rum. And because one of Ryan's favorite drinks has a scotch float on it. So that's like me taking this, re- like these expert Absolutely. recommendations Mike loves from scotch you too. And, saying, so yes. and saying like a, sco- a scotch would be my sixth bottle rather than the rum if I have to choose. And the, well, you're just talking about base spirits because yes. we're going to add some other bottles. Totally. Okay. Totally. So those are base spirits. Then I don't have, I mean, for me, vermouth, sweet and dry is a must because yes. that's, again, my drink. A lot of people would maybe just do sweet. A lot of people would just do dry. I don't know. Do you feel like you want both? I feel like you have to have both. I agree with you. Because like dry vermouth is martinis and the billis and lots of other like really wonderful, almost savory cocktails. And then sweet vermouth opens up a ton of like, isn't it a a Manhattan and an old fashioned? Like you just open up a lot of classic cocktails with both. And then I think you need bitters. Agree. I would start with Angostura. But then what I would say with bitters, and then we're going to get into a whole other strain here, is bitters is a really fun thing to shop for locally. Yes. And do different like flavors. Totally. Orange, walnuts. I mean, there's a cardamom one that I just absolutely adore. I had a water for a long time, a handmade watermelon rind bitter that was delicious. Yum. And they're little bottles and you only need a drop or two for most cocktails. So they really like last you a long time, even more so than like these base spirits. Twenty twenty four is the year we're focused on finally reducing dinner time overwhelm at Didn't I Just Feed You? And that means making grocery shopping easier and more cost effective, especially when it comes to the foods we all tend to spend the most on, like meat. Enter Butcherbox, where you can count on incredible deals on premium cuts. At ButcherBox, you can choose a curated box or customize your order of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood to stock your fridge with all the proteins you need for the week, month, or even the year at prices that are hard to come by at the grocery store. That's all your protein shopped for in one shot at great prices delivered to your door with free shipping. Just one change, switching over to ButcherBox, and you guarantee yourself fewer trips to the grocery store and savings that are hard to find at the supermarket. Dinnertime overwhelm be gone. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. 
Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At homethreads.com, Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Now I have, we're going to get into some like other stuff. I think is there green chartreuse? No, there's not. There will be in my bar, (laughs) but there's not. Aperol. Some people would say Aperol and Campari. They're both orange based Mm -hmm. liqueurs, but Campari is much more bitter. Aperol is a little bit sweeter. I prefer Aperol. Campari is going to be called for in more classic cocktails. You can swap them, but you're going to cut down on the bitterness. I don't mind that. Sometimes the bitterness of Campari is a little much for me. So I think it depends. Like an Aperol spritz is like my jam in the summer. Yes. Uh, We tend to keep both because we, I do also like the bitterness of Campari. Mm -hmm. Although more recently we've been stocking like uh, other bitter cocktails like Amaro's. I was just good. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. Campari is like the gold standard. Gold standard is not even right. It's like the one is reliable. Every bar across the world has it. But Amaro's have that like bitterness and some, many of them have orange flavor, but some of them have like more complex flavor. They're also so better can, for sipping, in my opinion. Yes, that's the other thing. Like Amaro with like a little soda water. Yes. At the end of a meal is so, so refreshing. It's so refreshing. It's so delicious. And actually, I'm noticing a lot of cocktails calling for Amaro. Also, like, I think it's a nice, bitter digestive to have on hand. And do you have a favorite Amaro? What have we been um, drinking recently? Okay, I think, is it Cokey Rossi? They are like Coco Americano is one of those Amaros that we enjoy. That's like Campari-esque. 
The other one that we're drinking right now is so good and I can't remember it. It might make me crazy. I want to know. So we like, I think just kind of experiment. I like Amaro Nono. Is that what it's called? It has a very beautiful Amaro Nono. It has a beautiful bottle. I have not purchased it, but I'm going to buy a bottle of, I don't even know how to say it. Sinar. It's the artichoke based Mm -hmm. one. Because I'm just so curious about it. Have you ever tried it? It's C-Y-N-A-R. I and have I'm not. Just, I'm just very curious. But yeah, like I think it's a good experimentation. I feel like there are a lot of cocktails that we'll call. And guys, we're not cocktail experts. So if there are any bartenders listening, former bartenders, you know, mixologists or just hobby mixologists out there, like join our freaking community, hop on our social and like tell us what we got wrong. Yeah. Like tell us where we went wrong (laughs) and fill in the blanks. We're really coming from a home cook curiosity point of view here, right? I'm not like mixing up cocktails every single night and I've never been a professional bartender. But tomorrow you can just buy like buy one type one day. And then when that bottle's done, another type another day. Yes. And then you'll get different flavors. It won't be consistent, but you can figure out what you like. For me, that's kind of it. I think then getting to mixers. Wait a minute. What did I miss? Aperol and Campari. It's interesting that they're both orange-ish flavored. And then like varying sweetness and bitterness. I think that you also have to have an orange liqueur. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like a grand Marnier. Um, Brian always, call, grand always Marnier. calls it grandma. Grand Marnier. <laughs> a Grand Marnier. Cointreau. Yeah. Kind of thing. I do like Cointreau. I know that you make your margarita with fresh orange juice, which is part of what makes it so special. But like a classic margarita and will bitters. call for that. Yeah, yeah. A classic margarita will call for Cointreau. Cointreau is like just so sweet for me. It's so sweet. I'd rather use fresh orange juice, fresh lime juice, some simple syrup, and a dash of bitters. That's how I like my margarita. But yes, Cointreau is a good call, and I was totally missing. Was totally missing. Yes, yes. Okay, mixers. Though we can move on. I think that's everything on the list. That's everything on your list. Okay. So mm-hmm. I think getting some cans of tonic and soda water, plain tonic and soda water, easy to store, lasts forever, like really great. I love sparkling wine. I love spritzes and sparkling wine. So I like having a couple of bottles of sparkling wine in my like Prosecco, whatever. It doesn't have to be fancy, not champagne, just like a nice palatable sparkling wine to like mix up. Again, that's it. What do you have? What do you want to add? Oh, I love ginger beer. Oh, yeah. A lot of like dark and stormies and like gold rushy kind of things. So that's one of the, and Love it. like you said about this soda water and the the tonic is like, you just buy whichever one you like and keep cans on hand. They don't even have to be like cold in your fridge. They can be in your pantry or on your bar. Can we talk for a second about ginger beer versus ginger ale? Because ginger beer is not alcoholic. Right. But it has more of a bite, like a gingery bite to them. And I think some of the best ones aren't quite as sweet as ginger ale totally. is too. People really love the reeds, which comes in like those green bottles and they have the bright red and green and yellow label. I'm not a big fan of cock and bull, although I'm seeing that more and more at stores. There's one brand that Brian really loves and I'm going to... Goslingers. Yes. And they make a really great ginger beer also. And it's a little more affordable 
than reeds and the ones that come in the glass and they come in cans and you can just store it all together. Yes. And then simple syrup is not really a mixer, but I think we should mention it. I think simple syrup is important to have in a bar. I do too. It unlocks a lot. And especially if you're not going to maybe have like an orange liqueur on your bar, I think having simple syrup as a sweetener for some drinks will get you closer like that. And some like orange, like fresh squeezed orange juice. So yes, I do not buy simple syrup. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I make it. Sometimes I do, sometimes I make it. But you want to make for a bar, if you're going to make a simple syrup that you just want to have on hand, you can, whatever recipe you make, just make that. Uh, It's usually a one-to-one ratio of sugar to water. But a lot of bartenders will use something called a rich simple syrup. And that is more like one and a half to two cups of sugar for every cup of water. And it's more thick and viscous and sweeter. My face, my little smile is a rich simple syrup is also cake syrup, which you can use (laughs) to moisten your cakes before you frost them. (laughs) I never made that connection because a one in one. Yeah, because I never do that step for my cakes. (laughs) That's why. Um, Yes. So rich simple syrup is a great thing, I think. Also, not for setting up your bar. Not super important for us, just like home cooks who are trying to have some fun with mixology. But it's apparently a thing to make a saline solution now. So salt water solutions. Yes, a lot of mixologists are adding them in small amounts. And it totally makes sense from a culinary perspective, because what do we say? You're making something sweet, you're baking something chocolatey, like a little bit of salt enhances that. So they'll use a saline solution. And you can just, if you're curious, just look up like bartending saline solution and there are recipes for it that you can make because you want to get, just like simple syrup, you want to get the ratio right of salt to water. Right. So you don't make and it then, too salty. Yeah. Also, you have like a little dropper. Yeah. There's also some viscosity. I think of, we have that homemade ginger ale or faux uh, Gatorade recipe that we've shared on Instagram, you put like a pretty heavy pinch of salt in it and it does give the like liquid some more texture like a real Gatorade has that almost like thickener stabilizer thing. So I think that's so interesting. Isn't it? I wanted to mention some like more like fresh or kind of standard kitchen things that are also useful to just have on hand. Like I'm pretty much in a routine of always buying limes, lemons, and oranges to have on hand for cooking. But especially like when Brian's on his gin and tonic bender, I will buy like the bottles of lemon juice and the bottles of lime juice already squeezed just for like efficiency's sake. I also really like getting small cans of pineapple juice, which again, like I sometimes use the pineapple juice and like making teriyaki chicken or marinating pork in the summertime. And because you can, like I, Trader Joe's sells like small cans. And so when I'm there, I'll buy like two packages, two of their four can packages. And those last us a while. And then I also wanted to mention chickpeas and egg whites in the same idea, because for some like shaken cocktails where you're trying to create a foam, I recently learned that you can use aquafaba, which is the liquid in canned chickpeas, in the same way that you would an egg white and make a frost cocktail that's vegan. 
And I think that's great for vegans. And I also think it's great for new bartenders who are maybe mm-hmm. a little bit nervous or feel weird about using egg white. I don't know if using bean liquid makes you feel any less weird, <laughs> but it you totally works. You use a tablespoon. It totally works. Which like feels like less somehow than an egg white, which is like a little less than an ounce. So two tablespoons-ish. Yeah. Um, but if you really like egg white cocktails and the, the egg white makes you nervous in some way, you could buy like the cartoned totally. egg whites. Uh, Carton yeah. egg whites gross me out more. But anyway, we buy them. I we always like, have them on hand because yeah. Mike likes them for breakfast. Uh, while go. we're on refrigerator stuff, also fresh herbs. So yes. mint is a gimme. And I know fresh herbs can be expensive and they go bad quickly. So like you, I always have lemons, limes, and oranges. I also really like grapefruit cocktails, like Paloma is one of my favorites. Paloma would be a great one with some saline solution, by the way, like mm. a little bit in there. Anyway, and that lasts longer. But like if you're going to have people over or if you know you're going to make drinks, it takes a little bit more planning, some fresh herbs. Um, for me, top of the list is mint. Rosemary is really fun when you get a little bit more advanced to muddle it into your drinks or even to just like light it on fire a little bit and like toast it and get that like smoke right above your cocktail, like kind of wave it above your cocktail and you get like a whiff of rosemary and then also jalapenos. I have a lot of friends who will have like keep a fresh jalapeno, like a tequila soda with some muddled, like thinly sliced jalapeno is really yummy or a jalapeno margarita. That's a really fun one to play with as well. I can't believe neither of us mentioned Bloody Mary mixer. Oh, yeah. Do you keep like canned tomato juice or do you keep Bloody Mary mixer? I I don't don't really either. But I think it's a really good I think it's a good call. Yeah. A friend recently brought us some, and so it's been in our fridge. And if we had some vodka, I'd be drinking Bloody Marys. I don't really like Bloody Marys. Hence, (laughs) I actually do like Bloody Marys, but I don't like drinking during the day. And to me, it's a very, like, daytime drink. Like, I just don't drink before 5 p.m. ever. Yeah. So it's my favorite. The afternoon. I know you love that. I love it. not my jam. Um, you know what else I can't believe we didn't mention is some sort of like coffee liqueur, like thinking of morning, like mm. Kahlua. There are all these with espresso martinis being so popular right now. Like, again, there are a lot of different coffee liqueurs, Baileys, things like that. Like, do you keep any of that stuff on hand? I oh, That is like a seasonal thing for us. Sort mm-hmm. of like you were saying, cognac seasonal yeah. for you. We definitely in the winter buy it. So we can like drink white Russians and put it in coffee and hot cocoa and stuff. So I think that's like um, that's an add on. That's like a bonus liquor that if you have it is worthwhile. Okay, And also buying it in small in the little small bottles. I mean, maybe the mini bottles. Yeah, that's great because if you don't use a lot, but it's nice to have on hand hot cocoa with Bailey's in the wintertime or on Christmas break is like one of my favorites. I can't remember what episode it was in now, but we talked about, it was like a summer cocktail episode about like all the different flavored, like rimming salt and sugars that you Mm -hmm. can make. I do want to mention that there are like a handful of things that are already in my kitchen. Again, 
that I like to use. Like I like a more flaky salt for rimming a margarita glass, or I've been really into the beautiful briny sea. They have like a hibiscus sugar and they have one that's like a chili orange sugar. That's excellent for rimming cocktail glasses. Nice. And also we should talk about cherries. Because oh I like, God, I yeah. can't believe we didn't talk about it. Because I love bourbon, Luxardo cherries, but any kind of maraschino cherry is really fun to have on hand. Yeah, it can be high end, it can oh. be low end, it can be both, like Luxardo, and then those like bright red, almost translucent maraschino cherries. The classic I feel Shirley like the Temple Luxardo ones. cherries have ruined me for regular maraschinos. I agree, but they, it's like time and place, right? Also. Yeah. If you're making like Shirley Temples, we didn't talk about grenadine. If you're making Shirley Temples or something for the kids with 7-Up or ginger ale, they're really nice because you don't want to waste your Luxardo cherries on the kids. Yes. Okay, wait. Why do we need grenadine? That There's a cocktail company out of South Carolina, Jack Rudy Cocktail Company. They make really delicious like tonic base that you just add soda water to. And they have grenadine and we bought some and then like left it out, opened it and then left it on the bar. So it totally went moldy. And I was like, I should have had a plan for how I was going to use this before I bought it. But like, how do you use it besides Shirley Temples? That's it, Shirley Temples. <laughs> I have no other idea. But it's good, like a really good grenadine, not like that super syrupy, the kind that you'll get at any yeah. bar around the world. I bet it's really good in some like cherry forward whiskey bourbon drinks yeah i could totally I can imagine Isn't it grenadine walnut bitters maybe like grenadine i mean it's just sweet it might be grenadine might be the root but it doesn't like let's not fool anyone it doesn't have that like tart freshness of no like, i think of it as being like a cherry flavor not a classic cherry flavor but like let's look it up i was gonna say i don't i think it's i think it's pomegranate flavored if you want a pomegranate cocktail, like let's say a pomegranate margarita, I would go for pomegranate juice. Yes. You wouldn't use grenadine. No. It is traditionally made from pomegranate, according to Wikipedia. Yep. But I it made, it made me have this thought of like, could you just buy a bottle of like pomegranate molasses, which is much thicker and much more concentrated and keep that in your pantry, which has more use, like more culinary totally. uses. And that's then like just idea. dilute it a little bit when you need some grenadine a in a grown-up drink. I don't think the kids would enjoy that, but I, I agree would enjoy that. <laughs> okay, should we move on to some equipment and glasses? Yeah. Okay. What equipment do you think you should have? I think a cocktail shaker. Yep. A jigger is nice to have, but I also would advocate for maybe some small plastic clear measuring cups like I have an OXO set that comes in like a two ounce a one ounce and a smaller Mm -hmm. and we use that the most often when we're batching cocktails that's very useful to have there are two types of strainers and there's only one that you need in my opinion I'm gonna forget what it's called the kind that you cap the shaker or the kind yes. that you hold and it's like a mini colander the kind like a tiny cap. pointy okay yes you yes. know the tiny pointy mini colander one right yes i do know <laughs> that's a fine mesh strainer yes fine right? mesh strainer not yes. colander thank you yes yes i like the fine mesh strainer for egg cocktails for some reason i just okay. feel like it captures more of the um 
like the egg that's gotten shaken into it and has given it some viscosity comes through, but none of the, I know I have no other word today, but goop. <laughs> it's the albumin, but okay. Yeah. Goop. <laughs> like goop. Uh, stays behind, um, but both work. I agree yes. that you only need one. And if you're going to only have one, I agree with you that it should be the kind that covers the shaker. Yes. Um, bar spoons are nice to yes. have, especially if you're batching. I know some people don't find that to be essential, but I really like having them. I'm trying to like picture my bar corkscrew uh, tray. Corkscrew. I think that a mixing glass and a long bar spoon are not absolutely essential. But I think that as you get more and more into mixing cocktails, if you want to be able to mix up a lot of different kinds of cocktails and experiment, I think it's great to have both. I feel the same about a muddler. Mm, Um, Great, great addition. But I'm a like fresh herb person. So I really like that. And I also like using fresh fruit, fresh citrus. Like if you want to like smash anything into your drink, then a muddler is really, really helpful. And there's something I want to say about equipment. I feel like a bar is a really great place to get vintage stuff, like to thrift, to look around so that like, if you want a shaker, the shaker is essential, but you're also like, it'd be nice to get a mixing glass and a long bar spoon. Like keep your eye out, like on estate sales or at the thrift store, you can buy this stuff. A bar is a really beautiful place to kind of mix like new and vintage stuff. I like to have the metal color consistent. Like if your shaker is silver or your shaker is copper, I think it looks nice and like it helps it look cohesive to have like your long bar spoon also be the same color or the strainer. But beyond that, just something that gives it nice visual cohesion, I think it should be mix and match. Same with glasses. I agree. I think more than half of our glassware is vintage. Yeah. So there's sort of like the thought that there's a handful of glass shapes that you need. And some of them might be glasses that you already have in like your regular rotation. But should we talk about what they look like? Yeah. So I'm going to start in a place that I don't know if this is controversial or not. I feel like it might be. I think the most versatile glasses are wine glasses. Mm, Red glasses in general. So I think, but also we drink wine. Mike drinks a lot of wine. So I think wine can be like, you're not going to drink wine out of a rocks glass, but you can drink a rocks drink out of a wine glass, a red wine glass. That's a little bit wider. So like, I would say like, if you're really tight on a budget and you drink wine, I would start with wine glasses. And if that's really all you're going to get, I would consider stemless. I do not disagree with you, but I have to admit something that I feel like may change our relationship. Oh, no. (laughs) We do not have wine glasses in rotation in our house. Like, I have a box of wine glasses that literally is in a cabinet that we never get out. Not even stemless ones. Not even stemless. Wow. Where do you drink wine out of? Like, out of rocks glasses? Not a rocks glass. Like we a have tumbler? for every day. Let me let me describe it to you, Willis. Listen, I'm defensive What's now. Happening? <laughs> What's happening? I we have for like every so day social footage of this happening in real time. What's no, happening? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I would call them like a bistro glass. Okay. Which is like a term I'm sort of making up. They're small. They're fluted. And they have a like wider opening than their base is. I feel like that's a thing. I've never, I'm thinking of the short squat. They're um, the same circumference around the top. Yeah. And the that's bottom. a rocks glass. No, squatter than a rocks glass. It was a hip thing for I would water call that, and, and we have some, we have some of those. Fish's Eddie sells them still. And they're, they call them like a bodega glass. Interesting. Okay. Um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. They're almost like, it's not quite a Petri dish. Yes. Like it's much yes. taller than totally. that. But it's like that. Totally. Sa- they're ta- much taller than that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this goes to show there are no hard and fast rules. It's such a weird thing, but we've never had anyone be like, I, of I, I offer. When people bring wine, I'm like, we do have wine glasses. But like, this is what we typically drink out of. And of course, I guess that's people being polite guests. Now I'm like, maybe a little embarrassed. I'm going to get no, the wine glasses out, Bellis. <laughs> I don't care. I always think it's like, a. I thought it was when we were like in our early part of our marriage, I always felt like it was very cool. I agree. Like, it's a cool vibe. It's a but cool Mike, vibe. I will it's like tell very you, casual. Mike, Mike would be like, can you get me the wine glasses? I would get Mike the wine glasses. It's why we have them. It's why we have them. And he'd Just ask Mike. for it too. <laughs> He wouldn't feel like it was rude if you offered. He'd Good. be like, yeah, it's, I want a wine I glass. would not be, I would be like, yes. I agree with you. I'm not picky about it. And I will say that I think Mike does not know, like he's learning about wine. I would not say he, like he would be mortified if to like the thousands and thousands of people <laughs> listen to the show. I was like, <laughs> he's a wine snob because he's not. But like he, I think sometimes in the learning phase also, you want to know the rules before you can break the rules. Yes. And like, he's an enthusiast. He is a wine enthusiast. Yes. So like he would want wine glasses. All right. So that's what I was going to say. The next thing I think you need though are rocks glasses. And I think rocks glasses are pretty freaking versatile as well. Yes. Because they are like, you kind of what you think of as like a juice glass almost like they're everyday use. You could buy like them very inexpensively or find them in a thrift store and buy like some in bulk to blow a rocks glass. And then I'm a, here's another controversial one. Next up, a lot of bartenders would say get some coupe glasses and some highballs. I'd get a coupe before a highball. A lot of people I think I would grab for a highball before a highball, you guys, is like a skinnier, much taller rocks glass. Coupe is that beautiful tulip shape. I think martini glasses are really ugly and I do not like them. They like hurt my eyes. But a martini in a coupe. That's what I was just going to say. Chef's kisses. Chef's kisses. Beautiful, elegant. And I just like a lot of cocktails that are served in coupe glasses. I don't know. I I have a general, uh, a, a genuine question. Is a highball glass... The same thing as a Collins glass? I think so, but confirm us. Because I was going to say Collins are really, a Collins glass is really nice. Is a, is okay. a highball a this little is, wider? This is what uh, New York Magazine says. A highball is a tall, skinny glass. Yeah. A Collins is just a taller glass. Like, that is that add any clarity? <laughs> that did not help me. Collins glasses are usually a couple ounces larger than a highball. Okay. This is, that's actually helpful. That is helpful, but then they're interchangeable to me. Yes. Because we're not counting, we're not like, 
you know, in a bar, you're really thinking about like, that's your margins. Like that's how you make your money. You're thinking about volume and exactly how much alcohol, you know, at home. I think if you want to make like a Tom Collins versus like some cocktail that is supposed to be poured into a highball, it's the same. Can we talk about some of some other specialty glasses besides martinis? Yeah, let's. And maybe we can just do like um yet yeah, a yes no quick. Uh margarita glass? No. What would you what would you serve a margarita in instead? Rocks. Okay. What about you? You have to answer too. I agree. Okay. I agree. Or we use her little bistro glasses. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm here for it. Uh white wine glass. Mm. We have, but we also have red and white stemmed and stemless because okay. of Mike. And we, like, if I have a holiday dinner, I use stem. I don't know. Stemless also is more like when we had kids around, little kids around. I would say if you only going to buy one, I would go for stemless red. If you okay. were going to buy red and white, but you're going to choose between stemless and stemmed, I would buy red and white stemless if you're everyday drinkers. I would buy red and white stemmed if you're just formal wine drinkers. And okay. If, yeah. And I don't. It's a lot like, of nuance I to wine glasses. I don't think that white wine is absolutely necessary. White wine glasses are necessary. They're more narrow. On that tip, you said coupe. You chose a coupe over a lot of other nuance. Yes. Flute. Yeah. Would you do a champagne flute? Absolutely not if you don't have the money to spend on it, guys. But yes, I think because I think that I also love the aesthetics of cocktails. And like I would go and to a vintage store and get some like champagne flutes. I just think that they're really pretty. And there is some science behind why they're better for sparkling for bubbles. Yes. So I say, yeah, I almost get champagne flutes over white wine glasses. Yes. Okay. I like that. I'm going to also admit another embarrassing thing. My champagne flutes, which I have like kind of a lot of them. I bought them for a party (laughs) or an event came from the dollar store. No, Why is that embarrassing? I think that's great. It's just funny. They're not, they are not elegant. By like any are they stretch just like of nice and clean they, and tall. They are not super tall. Actually, they're like a medium height, which okay. is actually nice. They feel like super sturdy. And yep. I think of like a really gorgeous champagne flute as being like tall and having very thin glass. And they have kind of like clunky, like cheap. Glass. I like it. But you know what? For as much as I use them, yep. they have been the greatest value. And when one breaks, you're like, nah, it's fine. I Dollar love tree. it. I actually think that's yes. really great. Totally. I'm having a terrible flashback of catering a wedding or working like ser- as a server at a catered wedding and the bride's mom requesting these like super tall champagne oh, flutes so stressful on these like super heavy stone platters for like oh, the aesthetic <laughs> and the reception, like the receiving part of the reception where we had to bring them up for like the toast was up like six giant stone steps the thousands of dollars worth of like champagne and flutes that were broken that night i'm sure that's so wild unbelievable (laughs) okay sorry next next i said we're gonna go quick and then i went sideways with champagne cups how about sniff sniff snifters snifters Snifters. Snifters. (laughs) for like brandy and cognac and those kinds of drinks um I say not essential, but if that's like, it goes back to like, buy what you drink, buy what makes you happy. Sure. I think that's also the kind of 
glass that you can have like one or two of. Like if you really like finishing the night with a glass of cognac, get yourself one. And then if you have people over and several people are like, oh, that cognac, that sounds great. Pour it into your ox glasses and everyone matches. Yeah. I have that, like I have little sidecars. Oh, yeah. Is what I would call them. It looks like a small carafe. Like it's very small and it's perfect for when you have like um like an old fashioned or something and there's you just made a little bit too much and it can sit on the side and a little cup of ice is really nice and it, it feels special for those kinds of drinks. The other thing I wanted to ask about were tiki cup cups. I know that you have oh. some, but like do you think of that as essential? I don't think of it as essential unless that like unless you really love I find that people who like tiki cocktails are like, are like all in. Yeah, they're really deep yes. into it and it is a whole culture and it is a whole vibe. And like I said, the same with like buying vintage, thinking about a cart. We didn't mention this before, but getting a tray and like putting stacking things together like just gives you a moment and for me Cocktails isn't just about getting the alcohol in my system. In fact, that's actually my least favorite part of it. (laughs) Like, that's why I like low ABV cocktails, because I can, like, have the experience of drinking more without drinking a whole lot of alcohol. I think the vibe is what matters. And so if you're really into tiki cocktails, like, double down if you can and you want to, because tiki glasses are great. Otherwise, it's a lot of highball. I think, I mean, and rocks glasses. But I also think of tiki glasses. We should talk about ice because I think that people don't think about ice, but a lot of mixologists will tell you that ice is actually really, really important. The right ice for the right drink, fresh ice. Like if you leave your ice cube trays in that freezer for a long time or and the ice can get nasty. You want your cocktail to have nice, fresh ice. Most drinks, bigger ice is better, but tiki drinks, I feel like, are really good with crushed ice or pebble ice. Hot tip, if you don't want to buy a pebble ice machine, which I do, I do want to buy a pebble (laughs) ice machine, is a lot of places you can just buy the ice. Like, you can go to Sonic drive-thrus and get their pebble ice. Publix also has pebble ice in their, like, um, deli area, and they'll sell you a cup of it or a bag of it if you want it. So that's one, one hot tip. I also think that if we're going to talk about ice, some people really like to have like ice picks or yes. the bags where you can crush ice. Yep. Like this is one of those like ice is an ingredient. If a recipe calls for cracked or crushed ice, it's because they want some shards of the ice in the cocktail to melt and dilute. It's usually yep. like a high ABV cocktail. Yeah, it's why tiki cocktails, because there's so many boozes in there, so many spirits. Yeah. Do you have specialty ice cube trays for your cocktails? I don't. So in Brooklyn, we just have the ice that our fridge makes. And I did get a pebble ice maker for the country. You I love it. I love it. But you know what? I end up using it for everything. And then I remember sometimes I'll make a cocktail and like our go-to is to go to the pebble ice machine. And then I make a cocktail and I'm like, oh, like it's watering it down. Like, yeah, it's not the go to. It really is a specialty thing. So having done it and following that impulse, <laughs> I don't know how necessary it is. Yeah. The kids really like it. I really like it. 
I just like the ice. Like I want yeah. it for iced coffees and stuff. It's Same. not even really about the Same. cocktails. Same. We use it for like a lot of soda water, sparkling water, iced coffee, yeah. all of that. Yes. What a lovely little luxury. It is. I love that actually. so much. But it's not necessarily for my cocktails the way I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about like picks, like cocktail skewers or any of that stuff. I really like to have some simple, we have like metal picks that are great for garnishing with a maraschino cherry or olives, depending on the drink. I don't think those are essential. And I actually think mine came from like the grocery store. They're not even like super nice, but they're nice to have. I wish I had. I don't have. And I'm going to like upstate them. That's definitely what I'm going to, I'm going to get them. Ooh, okay. That's good to know. Cause that's like vintage shopping. There's sometimes like great little vintage stirs or those little picks as part of sets. And those are fun to collect. Totally. What else? I don't know. We spent an hour talking about the basics. Well, we, you know, you know us by now. We we went went beyond the basics. We talked about our relationship to alcohol (laughs) and how we model to our kids and all of the nuance (laughs) that comes along with talking about liquor you guys we just can't help we can't help ourselves we just can't help ourselves but as much as you like hearing from us guess what we love hearing from you so i would love to take this to our didn't i just feed you listeners community sort of also just curious honestly was this a helpful episode like are you guys into cocktails are we the only ones we hope you've joined us at our community if you haven't you can join for free at didn't i just feed you.com backslash community or if you want bonus episodes, other goodies, you can join our supporting community. All the info is right there on the page. Follow us on Instagram where we are at and I just feed you and we talk about, I don't know, faux Gatorade and <laughs> whether you like saltines in your chili. A huge thank you to our producer, Samantha Getzek. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review. 